Hello, welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast where we break down the 1987 movie Predator one minute at a time. I am John. And I am Aaron. And we are starting off with Minute One. Minute One of Predator begins with the 20th Century Fox logo and ends with just the speck of a spaceship beginning to appear in the inky black recesses of outer space. We're going to use this first episode to obviously talk about the first minute of Predator, but we also want to shed a little light on why we chose this movie to break down one minute at a time. What do you think, Aaron? Should we start with our own background, or should we start with the action of the movie? Well, I'll talk a little bit about what dropped me to this movie to uh, talk a little bit more about, and that's the fact that I've from the first time I've seen this movie, really enjoyed it. And I've watched this movie many, many times, probably at least 20 times over the years. And it's the type of movie where I find that if I start watching it, it's really hard for me to stop. I feel like I have to keep watching it all the way through. So the majority of times I've seen it, it's been when I've been flipping around and seen it on basic cable and just decided that I have to watch it all the way through. And so because of that, I feel like I've ended up seeing a lot of different cuts and a lot of different aspects of the movie. It's one that I think is ripe for a lot of discussion. More to the point than just, I would say, watching the movie, uh, I would say over the years, you and I have had a habit of doing the easy thing of, of quoting the movie all the time. <laughs> it just has so many good quotes, like the stick around, the subtler things like over here and anytime. But in fact, we even took a trip down to Puerto Vallarta a number of years ago on vacation. And that happened to be one of the principal locations uh, for filming for Predator. And, and that was such a thrill to just kind of be in that area. In fact, we have we have somewhere, I think I have somewhere in my keepsake box, uh, the picture uh, that was taken of us where they superimpose their heads over <laughs> a couple of buff Rambo slash Arnold looking dudes in the jungle. And it was titled Jungle Team 2. Jungle Team. That's right. It's definitely a movie that's stuck around in our consciousness. <laughs> I guess I could talk a little bit about uh, the minute by minute format comes by way of the Star Wars Minute podcast, which was started, I believe, in 2013 uh, with the 1977 film Star Wars, where Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson started off breaking down the movie Star Wars one minute at a time. And as their uh, following grew, they just naturally moved on into Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and uh, unfortunately, the prequels. Sorry, Pete. But <laughs> since, since their boom, uh, a lot of different movies have gone that route of being broken down minute by minute. Well, so I think Predator is interesting that way because Predator, I don't think, is a great movie because of the, the big canon associated with it, although it definitely has one because of all the spinoffs and sequels that re really never lived up to the original. Uh, I think the thing that makes Predator so great is because of sort of the concise nature of the original movie. It's a fairly short movie, and it doesn't spend a lot of time going into a lot of lore and backstory. It is really finely tuned and crafted for exactly the time frame that it's fit into, and really forms a great, I think, story start and finish, as opposed to expanding out into this larger universe. That was something we talked about before recording today, was just how maybe at the time when the movie came out, it was seen as this really simple film, but you could say the same thing for a lot of really successful films that maybe even expanded into these expanded universes and franchises. They start so simple, but what the magic of movies is that it is hard to make something that simple from all these moving pieces from the production to the locations to the actors to the director and so on and so forth. 
Other big movie franchises that were covered by the movies by minute format were the Indiana Jones trilogy, plus Crystal Skull eventually. Sorry, Tom, Jerry, and Pete. But there's also the Goodfellas Minute, Princess Bride Minute. Essentially, if you think of a popular movie franchise, it's likely that a movies by minute has been made about that movie. Not just the super popular movies, but they're also some of the more obscure movies or movies you wouldn't think that would be popular for that format, such as A Talking Cat. Uh, if people are looking for a list of movies currently being covered by the Movies by Minute format, uh, you can go to moviesbyminutes.com. And I don't think I mentioned that in the intro, but you and I are brothers. So not only do we have the shared love of Predator and Arnold and other things, 80s movies and action movies, but right, we had, we just have that shared upbringing, that, that zeitgeist. That's right. It makes some of these things loom larger than life. Yeah, especially with the casting. And I guess we can kind of dive into the content of the movie with that. We start off with the logo, 20th Century Fox, uh, one of the, the pillars, I guess you could say, of major motion picture studios. They've been around since 1935. Uh, they're really well known for, of all things, the Star Wars movies, al alongside just about I don't know, every other big movie you could imagine. Things like the X-Men movies, The Martian, recently The Revenant. Big movies. Yeah, big movies. And of course, the Die Hard movies, which John McTiernan directed two of those, John McTiernan being the director for Predator. Well, well, we can talk about his credit later on. So yeah, so 20th Century Fox. Um, what's interesting about this beginning, anybody watching from the beginning is, is going to right away notice what uh, you and I noticed, which was we start off with 20th Century Fox and the fanfare and the logo, and we see Deep Space. Uh, you can't help but think of Star Wars 10 years earlier and the way it opens with 20th Century Fox, although leaving out, of course, the opening scroll but the opening scroll will be kind of interesting for this movie <laughs> unnecessary one of the reasons i love about this movie you don't need a lot of backstory there's not like a an extensive uh mythology that is necessary for this movie this movie get get to the point quick which i love so they uh they open with the uh with the producer credits which is fine the producers always always taken credit for what they put up on the screen there's three action icons and then immediately it, you were talking about the fact that this movie kind of loomed large in the zeitgeist of people our age growing up in the 80s. And the main reason, I think one of the main reasons why is because of the star. In fact, it's the only acting credit that comes before the title of the movie. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger. So on the title, on the poster, as I recall, Schwarzenegger's name is just like in huge, big, bold letters across the top of it, Schwarzenegger, and then at the bottom it says Predator. And I think like many of the movies he starred in, that was exactly what the what the posters looked like. Schwarzenegger in huge letters. Anytime you saw that, you had a lot of expectations about what you were going to get. And certainly seeing that here against the big starry background with uh, some already kind of dramatic music starting up is, is a pretty good sign that, that you're in for an action movie. Honestly, what's more important as far as whether you're deciding that this is going to be something you're going to watch or not, right? Are you going to decide based on the title of the movie? Like, oh, that's something I might watch. Or are you going to say Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, am I going to go see Conan the Barbarian, for goodness sakes? Commando. Anyway, this is a guy who was, he was a big box office name already at that point. People had high expectations for what they were going to get. So as soon as you see his name, you knew what you're, what you're looking for. It, it reminds me of a – it seemed like this was the case throughout a lot of the 80s and 90s where whatever the headliner was would be like often the only thing you would know about the movie. So like I remember the Mission Impossible movies when they first started, all you saw was Tom Cruise's profile in Shadow. 
or like when uh, like when Heat came out, all it, it said Pacino, De Niro, finally meeting or something like that on the on the poster. No other explanation about what the movie was going to be about or anything like that. It was just that you knew who the leading char- who the leading actors were, and so you sort of had an expectation about about what you were going to see based on that. And that was all you needed to know to decide on whether you wanted to see the movie or not. And if you look at the poster for this movie, it's Arnold looking slightly to his left, holding his M16 with grenade attachment and just a giant bolt, you know, crosshairs looking right, right at his heart. And it just says Schwarzenegger in red on the top, Predator on the bottom with the tagline, Sue and the hunt will begin. What I found interesting in doing a little bit of research was it wasn't called Predator in the beginning. It was called Hunter. And when I hear the name Hunter compared to Predator, I'm going to have to go with Predator as the more intimidating word because pre- Predator is very specific. Hunter, it could be someone's last name, yeah. like <laughs> or one first of many name for that matter. <laughs> of our, one of many of right, one of, or a first name, like many of Arnold's characters of having just a super simple name, like a John in this case, Dutch. But calling a movie Hunter, I, I think, is a really good change to Predator. Absolutely. Well, I'm just looking through the posters of The Terminator, Total Recall, uh, Commando. They all say Schwarzenegger in huge letters on the top. And the title of the movie is down at the bottom. This movie is all about Arnold. And it definitely lives up to it. I might be looking at the same thing, but if you go to that IMDb page where it lists his credits in order, the posters start with Conan the Barbarian, then Terminator, Conan Destroyer, Commando, Red Sonia, Raw Deal, Predator. Each of them is basically just him holding a weapon <laughs> <laughs> on the poster with his name right, like yep. right at the top, above uh, above everything else. You're, you're talking about larger than life earlier. Yeah, it's no larger than life than a, a, a guy who comes to America to realize his dreams of becoming an actor, becoming a politician, winning bodybuilding competitions. Yeah. Um, he's still still looming to this day as a, a figure, and you know who knows if he's gonna going to take a like a leadership position later on. You know, it seems like he can do anything. He's just yeah, just like you said. I mean, he's a megastar. He just shows up and he does does whatever he wants. If he wants to be Mr. Universe. He's Mr. Universe. He wants to be he wants to be a Hollywood superstar. He's the biggest Hollywood star. Uh, he wants to become a politician. He, you know, he gets elected to the highest office he can. Uh, he just, yeah, he's just a uh, an incredibly huge name. And the uh, uh, and the fact that they opened the movie with it, I think, was a good idea because <laughs> it really, I think, I think it more than anything else that could possibly have shown on it, including, you know, like a scroll, like you were describing with Star Wars. That name embodies everything we need to know about going into this movie for the time period that it was in. This was before Junior or before Twins and before Kindergarten Cops. So I think there was uh, that people at this point didn't expect there to be anything other than gigantic action smash going on after this. Looking at IMDb, just a year before Twins. Twins is out the next year, uh, along with Red Heat. Well, this and this was the same year as Running Man. I mean, he's pretty prolific then with the big the big action titles. If you if you had to decide your your most quotable Arnold movie, what what do you think it would be for it for him specifically? For him specifically, I mean, so many of the Terminator lines. Well, and in in like True Lies, where it seems like they kind of wrote the script with the idea being that he would have all these really memorable one liners specifically for it. Even still. What I want to bring up is I feel like this might be his most quotable movie, even with all those others. Yeah, I mean, the, the movie itself is really, I would say, sparse on the dialogue. There's really <laughs> not that much, especially, you know, once he loses his team, it's, you know, he's not There's saying no much. And like, but everything he says is just... Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Spo- <laughs> spoiler alert for Predator if you haven't seen it, but he lo- loses his crow somewhere along the way. 
Arnold is one of the only survivors. Not even the Predator survives this movie. Talk about a spoiler. Oh, man. So after Arnold shows up, we see this. You see the title, like you said, is originally Hunter. You get some dramatic play music for it. And then shortly afterwards, the title disappears and you begin to see the spec of a spaceship. And this is definitely a blink and, blink and you miss it kind of opener. In fact, I think the first time I watched this movie, I actually didn't even see the beginning. I think I didn't actually see this first sequence until maybe the third or fourth time I saw this movie. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is making a lot more sense. Yeah, it definitely is a blink and you miss it. I mean, it's it's over by, I want to say, the middle of uh, the second minute. It's it's not something I remembered seeing as a kid. But yeah, all I remember is, oh, he meets up with Dylan and they're off on their little adventure over in the jungle. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a blink and you miss it. And we can talk about this minute or we can talk about next minute. Do you think the movie needs this scene, this intro scene of Predator being dropped off? No, I, well, that's a great question. It obviously doesn't need it. Like I said, I didn't even I didn't even know the scene existed until... I had seen it uh, a couple times. The um, but but I think it I think it's good foreshadowing if you're really paying attention. And in fact, this that's something that I think goes throughout this whole movie. It's a very tight movie. Every single minute of this movie has a pretty significant meaning towards the whole uh, storyline. And so if you are interested in paying super close attention, and we obviously are. <laughs> then this is the kind of thing that will help foreshadow the whole movie to you because you're not going to know why that's important for quite a ways into the movie. So you'll just be sort of carrying that in your back pocket throughout the first like quarter or third of the movie before you realize why that uh, that shot at the beginning is important. Uh, but that's a good point that uh, even without it, uh, you still sort of get the idea of the storyline. It's not it's not a mystery otherwise. I think the other thing that, that does help with those, that kind of helps with like the, the whole wider universe that people have created around Predator. So even though I personally am a bigger fan of just this 107-minute story, that that scene does help sort of break out into some of the, the other, other lore that's uh, laid out, like in Predator 2 and some of the other movies. So speaking of which, that speck of spacecraft that we can see in the distance there, I think you told me that you had looked up what the uh, the official name of that of that craft is yes this would be a scout ship and we haven't seen what it's dropping off yet so we don't know what's going to happen yet we just oh like there's a spaceship in the distance what's it doing maybe it's going to be out running like you know some kind of version of the star destroyer the predators are escaping or something like that maybe they have some rebellion going on their own planet they have to pick up their own I don't know, Ben Kenobi or something oh like that. Oh my gosh, see, this is the kind of thing that upsets me. See, what that's ridiculous. Like, why, why do we need all that? Like, you know, like in Jaws, did they go on like the backstory of Jaws? Like, oh, Jaws, did, did your mom abuse you as a child? Is that why you're going around eating all the people on the beach? Like, we don't care. The aliens are there. They're doing battle with the biggest, baddest man on the planet with Arnold. Like, what, what more do you need to know? Oh, Just, I want, I want them to cut to the inside of the, the spaceship. Inside of the ship? <laughs> Well, so that's one of the reasons why I get so annoyed at the rest of the Predator movies, right? Is So like in Predator 2, you see the inside of the ship. And I haven't actually seen uh, Predators, the 2010 movie, or... And I, I, I watched part of one of the Alien vs. Predator movies. But anyway, uh, I think that it's explored a little more in some of those movies also. But regardless, like, I, it's so unnecessary. Like it, it has, it's got nothing to do with with what you're there to see. What you're there to see is you're there, you're there to see this like epic struggle between like the the biggest baddest people from different planets, right? And uh, this was uh, this is Arnold's chance to go from being like the, the titled Mister Universe, right, from bodybuilding to the actual mis- toughest guy in the universe to Mister Universe, uh, able to beat up everyone on multiple planets. And it, it doesn't matter like you know what he ate for breakfast in the morning or 
you know, where he grew up or the long scroll about who they're related to and what planets they're visiting. Like, doesn't matter. They're there. They're doing battle. Anyway, I would have been very happy if, if they had never made a, a sequel to this movie. But, but that's all right. We're just dealing with this movie in this in this talking, so that's fine. I don't know. I, I kind of like to think in another universe that Predator is trying to deliver a message to... <laughs> to, the, to the rebellion he's carrying like the plans for the death star oh, and he's totally gosh. interrupted by this team man <laughs> and, and arnold just comes out of nowhere yeah exactly beats the crap out of him what i was reading about inspiration for this movie was that the screenwriters the thomases i have to imagine their brothers who is it john thomas and jim thomas i guess they took the joke going around uh, after the rocky movie saying well rocky's beaten you know everybody he can you know he's he's gone from um everyday underdog to taking on the whole soviet union and putting them putting yes. them on his back and like all of a sudden <laughs> ending the cold war ending the yeah. cold war exactly with his fists and so the joke was well he's fought everybody except an alien i guess what i read on wikipedia is that the screenwriters took that and just ran with it say hey you know let's let's take this this he-man character and pit him against an alien so, so then why would they oh, why didn't they cast Rocky then instead of uh, instead of Arnold? That's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe someone saw Well, let me tell you why cuz Rocky is 5 foot 8 and Arnold is 6 foot 2 and Mr. Universe. That's the reason why. I remember having a very strong opinion about this when it growing up in the 80s that I thought cuz Stallone and, and Arnold they were like sort of unacknowledged rivals. They were each like the big big action icons. In fact, there was an interview with Stallone on like I think Leno maybe and he spent all this time talking about how much he hated Arnold back then because he saw him as, as his biggest like box office rival. And I had a strong opinion that Arnold was definitely like awesome and Stallone was just this like dweeb who's like impersonating him, like wanted to be as good as him. And mostly just because like uh, even though I love the Rocky movies, I was like he's he's seems so less tough in those movies than Arnold does because in the, in the Rocky movies he's like the playing the underdog whereas Arnold always comes out just like immediately like crushing everything around him in the words of Conan he sees his enemies driven before him hears the lamentations of their women I always sided with Arnold in those I think that's why he was the, uh, the big bad guy because he was definitely the the more impressive physical presence right of the big action stars then yeah no I would agree with that um what strikes me in looking at the movies of that age pretty clear that yeah they maybe they're thinking rocky but I think they're thinking way more of Rambo Rambo um, First Blood Part Two comes out 1985, I believe, and yeah. they're saying, "Well, okay, Rambo could take on you know a whole country full of gorillas, but can he take on an alien?" Right? Well, yeah, we know someone who can. And here, Arnold right. does both. Here Arnold does both. That's exactly right. The uh, the special effects sequence there in the beginning I read was done by this uh, uh, studio, DreamQuest Images. And they evidently they did some uh, some other big movies with much bigger kind of space effects. They did The Abyss and Total Recall, and so this was interesting that they just had this brief little spot to show off their space effects and then it was later in other movies that they really got to flesh those out into bigger more grandiose visions right i guess that was different than the than the company that was responsible for doing all of the optical effects uh but are, are not space-based yeah that, that that makes sense they would use what two different companies for that um right on the uh, we get the first little bit of the score here by alan silvestri kind of a big time hollywood composer it opens with kind of that dramatic uh, sound right as the uh, title of the movie displays from what i understand this was his first major action movie so he'd done back to the future before and uh some other stuff but the um but this was the first time where i think he really focused on like the suspenseful big noise kind of music sort of set the tone of high adrenaline and intention that's kind of throughout the movie what i was reading on wikipedia 
was that they evidently released a remastered version <laughs> of this uh, soundtrack. Oh, we're going to have to buy that. Which is surprising for just like, you know, just an instrumental track that from an action movie to have like a remastered uh, remastered part of the, the movie. But I guess it became really iconic and, and often copied kind of effects as far as like I said, using the, the really loud percussion noises throughout to help build tension and drive the action. This movie is, yeah, it's just rife with tension just from when they sat down in the jungle all the way through the end and yeah the, i would say the score definitely helps paint that picture you're mentioning back to the future if you go back a little bit further you'll see uh, romancing the stone and those two movies are directed by robert zemeckis and mm-hmm. throughout the years that's you know sylvester is zemeckis's right hand man there he's he's directing he's scoring everything that Zemeckis is directing yeah and something I'm excited about next year actually which is Ready Player One directed by Steven Spielberg but it's for another day a lot of great adventure movies there just go down the list he's directing multiple movies per year that you know people have heard of Who Framed Roger Rabbit Mac and Me My Stepmother's an Alien I don't know about those last two but definitely Who Framed Roger Rabbit and the year after you have The Abyss Back to the Future Part 2 the year after that Back to the Future Part 3, Young Guns 2, Predator 2, showing up again for a Predator movie. Just go on and on and on and on. And movies everybody's heard of, The Bodyguard, Forrest Gump, Grumpy Old Men, Contact. Gosh, you, you have anything else to say for our first minute? Looking forward to the rest of the movie. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, anything in particular you're looking forward to? Oh, man, this whole movie, it just it keeps driving. Every piece just leads to the next scene, just leads to the next scene. The music's driving it. The action's driving it. Like... Uh, everything's nonstop. I love the fact that in this first minute we're sort of getting our first little introduction here to the first character, which we'll later find out is the Predator. And then the next scene introduces really all of the other relevant characters. And then after that it's like, let's get in the jungle, baby. So if that's everything, we'll bring this minute to a close. This has been Predator Minute. Join us next time for Minute 2. In the meantime, though... Stick around. Find us online at PredatorMinute.com and on Facebook at Predator Minute. Our music is provided by Chaosware.